Welcome to another episode of Smart Home Stupid People. My name is Madeline Siege. And my name is Eris Felmuth. I'm going to do a couple of things in the background while we, uh, while we set up. As always. <laughs> exactly. As always. First off, muting this will help. The, right. Yeah, the title of today's episode is We Live to Test Ourselves. And yeah, we will go through a publication that I read with great interest. And it's called Death Squared, The Explosive Growth and Demise of a Mouse Population by John B. Calhoun. Kaloon is his name? Kaloon? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that one is from, what was that, 1973. So it's been a while, in, a, in a while, but it was yeah. an interesting experiment. And we will discuss some of these factors, why some animals do weird things and <laughs> what is the reason for that? Like, for example, you know, a penguin just running off uh, an, an ice yeah. platform in the wrong direction away from his social group. And you would just ask yourself, why is it doing it? Is, it looks like a suicide behavior, but it's more like, why do we do things that seem very dangerous and stupid, yet we're still doing it? Yeah, <laughs> like, like uh, honestly, from a biological or a evolutionary point of view, or just even, uh, even a logical point of view, you'd think that life would try to play it safe. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk today about why life perhaps doesn't play it safe and mm. what... Uh, what are the motivations perhaps behind that, you know, from a biological, esoteric, um, spiritual point of view, whatever you want to call it, you know, I mean, there are, there are some really interesting aspects about this mm -hmm. topic, I find, right? Yeah. So let's, let's dive in with that. Like the other day, it actually, it came to me because um, we, uh, we had a bunch of kittens, right? And uh, <laughs> we kept one for a little longer and he just went to his new home recently, right? And the... He, and, and kittens do really dumb things, mm. you know, uh, like at very young ages, they climb things they can't get down from. Um, they jump without looking. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is what happened where Madeline was outside um, just in the garden and this little kitten, like we have kind of a, um, a, a concrete staircase that goes down into a, a type of basement mm -hmm. um, under our house. And it's, there's no cover. Like I, I ripped out the, 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 there was, used to be a fence around it. So you don't, you can't just walk into it, but now you can because I ripped out the fence because I'm building a new infrastructure over top of it. And, um, this kitten was chasing a butterfly and literally just Superman dive yeah. dove <laughs> into this abyss and fell like one and a half meters straight down. Yeah. Got up, shook his head a little bit, and kept playing. Yeah, yeah. I was really observing it from far away. Saw the little cat on on the on the edge of that hole, and he never he never even attempted to you know kind of jump somewhere into it. So I thought he'll knew that this is not the best place to play. <laughs> but then this little butterfly just flew over the hole, and the the kitten was just not looking and jumped after the butterfly and just fell. And I was like, oh my god couple of days before you want to bring him to his new home and we're not sure if we, you know, like if he just killed himself right there. But he got up at the same moment, got up in the same moment and was happy again. So interesting. But yeah, <laughs> why why was that kitten doing that? I mean, was it obviously not aware of the danger behind it? And it's also with, with kids, you know, they just take yeah. everything in their mouth, they touch everything, although it could be dangerous right. or poison. Right. But this is also a way of learning 
and specifically in in nature where you know like also other humans are not there and taking care as we would took care of the kittens here mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there is always a high mortality rate amongst the the little litter you know, yeah. within the little ones, so that from five kittens, maybe only two survive because the rest is doing dumb shit. <laughs> <laughs> and but this is how they also learn, right? So and, well, and that's observing the each other and realizing, oh, that might not be a good idea yeah. to do so. Whereas and, we took care of them, you know, in, right. in two and 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 created an environment that was safe for them. So we had no predator here. They had a safe place mm -hmm. during nighttime where no fox uh, could have come in to take them. And this right. is. Something we will we will have a look later on that paper where he says what is actually the reason for death, you know, like the reason for um, a risk, risky behavior. And this, for example, predator or a risky environment where you right. have Migration. changes in, yeah, we have changes in, in weather and something like that too. And that's how we created our lives as humans too. We have houses, you know, smart homes <laughs> yeah. where we are safe and we have an ambient temperature, mostly at a comfortable temperature at the same time. So we keep ourselves safe in our environment that we create, but this is usually not how it works in nature. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Mm. I just realized I got to fix another thing. And um, before oh. we start, I, yeah, I, I just realized we're, t we're streaming to the wrong platform today. Ah, yeah. So good. everything is good. Um, but Twitch, I just found out we're streaming to our, to my old levels of absurdity site instead of smart home, stupid people. So yeah, yeah. Shit happens. Okay. So uh, it's funny because some of the people following us on um, levels of absurdity are the same people following us in Smart Home Stupid People mm -hmm. and uh, it got noticed. <laughs> so, oh, okay. so for well. all of you guys on Twitch, uh, maybe just one person now because it's not uh, it's not on the right channel. We'll see what happens. So not the end of the world. So why don't you um, tell us a few more things about uh, this? I'm going to fix something else, and uh, then we can really get into today's meat. You know, um, let's talk about you know, like you were mentioning with the penguins and mm -hmm. and uh, with some of these other crazy animals. Do you have a couple other examples of uh, organisms that do really dangerous stuff? Mm. But like, I mean, look, let, let's just talk about birds jumping out of trees or some of these other birds. The that that they. They they uh, they're born like uh, on a cliff, yeah, and they yeah. have to jump, like like um, mat like I don't know, uh, I've I've seen hundreds of meters. Yeah, yeah, several right? several um, hundreds of meters. I don't know the the species name by heart right now, but I think it's like a certain type of duck species, mm -hmm. little birdies, and yeah, they 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 have the the their eggs really high up in order to be safe from predators and all that. Yeah, but then eventually the little ducklings have to go down. And so for them, it's to really to to find the right moment. If it's if they jump too early, uh, too early, yeah. then they won't make it. If they jump too they're late, not, they're not developed for flying. Yeah, then they're too heavy, and the impact would just you know smash them. And it's so, crazy. I've seen that um, they have to give birth at the right time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, right. It's a very very tight schedule for them, and really the the ducklings have to be. You know, I have to have the the faith, and yeah, yeah, yeah. the courage to jump right right into the darkness and the unknown in order to survive. Because if they become too big, and then the the, the parents won't feed them anymore, I guess. Right. So, yeah, interesting things uh, happen out in nature. What I can say from my own research, I found very interesting was the rabbits. Rabbits are pr uh, prey animals, you know, so they are constantly in in dangerous situations. The birds of prey are there. They're natural predators or foxes and specifically for the young 
And so when I was researching the rabbits in Frankfurt and air, the area around, so in the rural countryside, we really observed that the rabbits over there were way more cautious. You know, they were not out, outside their burrow systems during right. the daytime, only during nighttime when there was like maybe not so many humans around or foxes, I don't know. And they didn't they didn't go so far from their protective burrow system mm -hmm. and they spent like I think 50% of their time really in just watching out whenever they were outside their borough system. We kind of yeah. measured the, we watched them and we observed their behavior and we saw that they were constantly just, you know, being aware of their environment and just like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? You know? Mm -hmm. So they were very highly resilient. Resilient, yeah. Not resilient, but vigilance. It's vigilant. called. Okay, yeah. 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 So they were just very cautious of their environment. And you would think well, that makes sense because they are so high risk of predation, right? Mm -hmm. So they took care of themselves. Whereas the one in the city, I would also call almost call them reckless <laughs> because the in the park area and also in the inner city, they were outside during the daytime, which is mm -hmm. totally against their natural behavior. Yeah. You know, just using the the protection of the night for them to 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 move around, and yeah. they were also outside uh, during the daytime. They were hopping amongst all these pedestrians and the people in the city, and they were so adapted to their life in the city, showing almost no fear, mm -hmm. no no like no caution cautious behavior. They had a shorter flight distance than the ones in the rural area. Right. And also they spent less time in, in just checking their environment as if there would be no danger for them. Right. So, so and that that is foolish for a yeah. for an animal that is actually so highly um, like um, there are so many predators out there yeah, yeah, for yeah. that rabbit. And we had different different explanations for that. The first thing is really that they adapted to that life in the city. They knew that the humans are not harming them. They mm -hmm. can actually just walk around. And also there were some foxes and also birds of prey, but they these kind of birds and foxes living in the city, they feed not from of the rabbits, but more from the garbage that is in a right in a garbage bin because it's easier to just go through the garbage, get yeah, some food yeah, and yeah. than instead trying to chase a rabbit. So yeah. the whole system was kind of shifted. And I think that's pretty interesting to see that they became less less cautious because it, it was a very comfort, comfortable environment for them. And it's really what we are talking here about the smart home stupid people. And mm -hmm. could it could be that the more you know comfort, comfortable the environment is, that the more we lose the ability to take care of ourselves. Yeah. And I think these rabbits... Um, we all. We, I still have data to analyze. I think they also got older, so maybe they really um, had a better, better life over mm -hmm. there. But yeah, I, I found that interesting as one example too. That yeah. you know, actually, when we get to the paper um, that we're going to read out a little bit later on, um, there are certain elements in there that kind of uh, tie one to one with some of the rabbit facts. I'll, I'll bring that up. Okay. Because um, when the rabbits all died, we don't know why they died. And this paper might actually hint to a couple um, mm. things that that possibly happened. Mm -hmm. You know that that theory that we talk about a lot on this show. The the motto of this show is uh, when our environment becomes too comfortable that we lose the ability to take care of ourselves. That's what that paper shows. You know, in some yeah. cases that uh, the the when certain things were lost, they didn't come back. Mm. I, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah, yeah. In, in this paper, it wasn't necessarily due to comfort. Yeah. But uh, it really goes to show you that when certain attributes are gone, you you don't just get them back. You know. Well, but, no, it's easy though, probably. Right. Yeah. Specifically, when we're talking about learned behavior, you know, um, with 
animals and with humans. You know, we take care of our young. A lot of animals take care of their young. Mm -hmm. Any animals that don't take care of their young, it's because it fits into their ecology, right? Yeah, there are different strategies. You have the R strategy and the K strategy. Okay. And the R is so called the reproduction. Mm -hmm. So, which means they just like put out a lot of young. <laughs> yeah, right. Usually living in an environment that is very unstable, unpredictive. Mm -hmm. um, so, where there is actually a high risk for them to die. So, they put out as, lo uh, as much as possible. Like, um, as you would buy a lot of tickets from the lottery, mm -hmm. you know, to make sure at least one will win. Right. So you put out a lot of <laughs> Yeah, so lot your, your of odds are better in the end. Yeah, but yeah. of course, the more offspring you have, the less you can take care of all of them at the same time. You can't just yeah. invest a lot of parental care or investment. Some like fish, you know, or spiders, not at all. They just yeah. lay their eggs and then they fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> Let them do their thing. Yeah. So, yeah, and then you have the the other, the opposite. It's more the, the case strategy, which is more, it's called competitive because they usually live in an environment where they already reached the high highest population density. Mm -hmm. And it's more like a competition. They can't even have more offsprings because they would be over that, that limit of resources that they right. need. Like, for example... Elephants, because they grew so big, they can't have like 10 offsprings per elephant because they would just not, you know, would not be able for the environment to hold all these specimens. Okay. So usually they only have one or two and it takes them a long time to, to mature, yeah. to reproduce, to um, have a long pregnancy. And then they take like two, I think the baby elephant is like for two years with the mother before it's able to go um, on its own. So it takes them a long, long time. A lot of energy. A lot of energy yeah. only invest in one individual. But then also for them, since they have a very social environment, they mm -hmm. protect that one. You know, it's funny. Um, so I, 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 as you know, I mean, I was, uh, I was born and raised in Toronto, um, well, in and around. And um, there were there were a lot of different cultures there. Like it's actually one of the largest multicultural melting pots I've ever seen on the planet. I don't think there's anything else really out there that compares to Toronto. And um, I remember seeing some cultures, they would take their wealth mm -hmm. and they would divide it amongst their children mm -hmm. um, to try and give them education, food, clothing, mm -hmm. this and mm -hmm. that. But there were other cultures, specifically, um, I remember Guyanese. Uh, so I had some friends from Guyana mm -hmm. and um, Guyana is like one of the poorest countries on the planet, right? And so when they came to Canada, then um, what they did was is the father, like they had like, I don't know, like eight children or something like that, right? Mm. And um, the father decided to, and, and I've even heard this to be true with uh, a lot of Indian families as well they pick the best kid mm. <laughs> and they and they invest in him mm. and the others don't get it. Mm -hmm. So that means that like they'll they'll have all the kids and they'll be like, this is the smart kid. Mm -hmm. He's going to university. Mm. He's going to be a doctor. And when he gets rich, he's going to take care of everyone else mm -hmm. better. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the way that they they actually financially different did that. strategies. It's, yeah. it's a very different strategy. Right. It's a more realistic strategy to tell you the truth instead of wasting resources on the, you know, the losing bet. Uh, mm. You know, every family has a black sheep and uh, <laughs> they, they they probably would do better in life if they knew that, you know. And, and, and I say that because I've seen in some families the black sheep be the the, the chosen child and it's brutal. Mm. It's it's awful. Like, have you, I don't know if you've ever seen that, like mm -mm. where someone, 
like when when there are it's kind of, it's, it's 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 like that Cinderella idea, you know, like the pretty, smart, intelligent is the one cleaning the floor, whereas the dumb, ugly ones are the ones going to the ball, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, and so and so the mother gave the 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 the, the ugly ones all the, the the wealth and and spoiled them and and they mm-hmm. were dumb and they were just rude to everybody, you know what I mean? There was nothing humbling about them. Okay, yeah. And so that's what I'm saying is that some people I find that if they are like the black sheep of the family. Um, they usually black sheeps don't have, uh, they're not very courteous people. They're very narcissistic people. Mm -hmm. And I find that, uh, if they get spoiled, it makes it worse, much worse. Right. And they just keep fucking up because that's what they're built for. (laughs) They're not built for, uh, for success anyway. So that's a, that's a different side story, but I found that to be uh, very fascinating that even humans on a cultural level, we are extremely different within the ways that we invest energy into our youngs and, and rightfully so. And I think it always has to do with your environment, always has to do with where you grew up, how the resources are, um, how the resources are distributed right. within the area that you live and that really influences yeah. how we decide. Well, let's take uh, um, Africa as another example. You know, uh, they, they had high birth rate mm. and um, they also had a high death rate for children under five years old. Up until modern history, the I think it was like, ah, I can't remember the odds. I think a child to reach to reach five years old, like once you'd reach five years old, it was pretty consistent with okay, you'll 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 get to be teenhood and you'll get to mature to yeah. a, a reproducing age, right? Um, but getting to five years old is in some cases very, very, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. hard in some cultures. And we're talking about like pre-penicillin era, right? Pre um um antibiotics. Yeah. Right. And so um I remember like if you go to most of the West, I think it was um one out of every four kids would die by the age of five and that's normal for humans right and this is a big reason why we don't have as many kids per families anymore mm-hmm. because um we use modern medicine to prevent death by, by the age of five by killing off bacteria and infections right and um in africa i think it was way higher we're talking like instead of one out of every four kids it was uh it was like one out of every three and uh, one out of every five kids, it was one out of every three or something like mm-hmm. that, right? So, um, and then when penicillin came along, their population exploded, right? And uh, and that was uh, one of these uh, one of these uh, things that now uh, you had little villages mm-hmm. that are just right, and it's all within a couple generations. Uh, and then after the penicillin thing came along, then they used DDT to get rid of um, a lot of the mosquitoes, which mm-hmm. then increased the population another right uh respectable amount and so it's really amazing to see how we have adapted with our environment over time but then how quickly things can change and how mm-hmm. we don't adapt as fast mm-hmm. right so and and now we take um the, the like the, the rabbits um in frankfurt they uh they eventually all got they're they're not there anymore they're all dead yeah and so that's that big question that's open is is that did they die because of disease did they die because they were hunted did they die because you know what i mean yeah yeah um um, um, incest you know was that a was that a factor all these things you know yeah that one i wouldn't say because it takes a a couple generations it's not something that happens from one day to the other right yeah so yeah there's another thing that i wanted to also touch upon and that is uh, and it's really relevant to the idea of um 
why we live to test ourselves. And, and I think drugs is a very fascinating topic. Always mm -hmm. has been for me because um, a lot of, you know, when I was in the U.S., because I, I, I did a lot of touring as a musician, had a lot of friends there, to see that in the U.S., um, drugs was just like everyday life. Mm. You know what I mean, I'm not just mm -hmm. talking about street drugs. I'm talking about prescription drugs as well. I would mm -hmm. say that... Mm -hmm. um, I would say out of like 10 people, every 10 people that I ran into, eight of them mm. were on some type of prescription drug, right? And out of, and most of the people, because obviously as a musician, you know, like um, um, everybody liked cannabis, but hard drugs I found to be more common in the US, uh, even though depends like it depends on how you look at it right like uh, in on in, in ottawa and in toronto we like crack and um heroin hit us really hard like heroin i think a, a lot of friends of mine when i was younger got into heroin mm -hmm. and um crack and became like male prostitutes and stuff like that and it's funny to see that you know um how 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 how, how do we as life forms get to that place mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. how yeah. do we how do we go from doing something recreationally that we know is self-destructive. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, and, and, you know, even with the ecstasy thing, when that was going on, there were all these people I, 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 would, I would run into would tell me about their bad trips. Same thing with LSD, mm. you know, uh, people who had, who were permanently damaged because of a bad chemical mm -hmm. drug. And this is a big reason why I stayed the hell away from a lot of that yeah. stuff. Cause I've just, I've seen too much damage personally yeah, firsthand, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, op, uh, optical damage so people have to wear glasses because of doing too much MDMA uh, or um, my friend my old drummer um, he and his wife I just remember they went and bought like a bag of pills right and they they, they did like a handful of them uh, like every day they were just taking a bunch they were just on MDMA consistently and then they then there was a couple of bad pills in the bag I guess and they got fucked and then what he told me was is they were hospitalized and they were high for two months oh my god <laughs> yeah he says that like he doesn't think he ever the high ever wore off he just got used to it mm -hmm. like that's what it felt like to him he's not sure if he ever really came down or if this is just if, if, if his body just adapted mm -hmm. to that new reality that's how we that's how he explained it to me you know mm -hmm. so they were hospitalized and now they both have glasses and anyway the point is is the drugs like in, in some cases drugs is like an epidemic i would say drugs is the real pandemic on this planet when we talk about um, bad drugs, you know, really like, yeah, yeah. like I, I think that I'm, I'm a big fan of like uh, the natural drugs such as cannabis and magic mushrooms, uh, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I say, go for it, right? Um, I think that uh, done responsibly and done, um, like learning actually even how to make your own mushrooms mm -hmm. uh, is is fascinating because it's is, there's a connection to reality and to nature that you can build with that too. Yeah. Um, alcohol, that kind of stuff, you know. But at the same time, alcohol, I've seen that. I've, I've seen cannabis lead as, as a gateway drug. You know, a lot of people don't like that idea that cannabis is a gateway drug, but I've seen it happen. Mm -hmm. I've yeah. seen, I, I've, I've had a lot of idiot pothead friends and I've had a lot of friends who, you know, uh, like myself, I can have a little bit when I want uh, and, it, and, it, and that's it. You know, I turn it on and off whenever I want. Yeah. Um, There's actually something that also I heard from, you know, when I, about from the shamanic mm -hmm. point of view, like, because... Especially, specifically indigenous tribes, they also sometimes or maybe often, you know, use plants and mm -hmm. uh, mushrooms to S really stimulants, that kind stimulants of stuff, yeah. to, to get into that higher, you know, realm, that meditative, yeah. meditative, meditative yeah, what is sure. that? <laughs> situation in order to, to connect better to spirits or, you mm -hmm. know, just like to get into the, the flow and 
I do agree that I think with that natural aspect, it really brings you more to also natural spirits, whereas the artificial maybe is, I don't know. I never, I never um, tried anything mm -hmm. except of, you know, not even alcohol. Like I never was really drunk in my life because I, yeah, I didn't never see the point in it. Why, why I would do that? As I said, you know, it always seemed to me as a self, uh, self-destructing aspect to it. Although right. you can have just a little bit, of course, you know, sometimes I have a little bit of wine, but in ex excessive ways, also with the with mm. with with other drugs, it is self-destructive. And it's a right. question: Why would you do that? Why would you do something that you know is not good for your body? And this is where we have go Speaking back to of the which, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm horribly hungover today. Yes. <laughs> I, I had a lot of booze last night. Uh, we had a little. Our neighbor he um, he had a nice. He has at the end of the year a nice. Uh, end of summer party mm -hmm. and uh yeah out till three in the morning listening to loud music and uh drinking beer we got to we had he 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 knows people at the over here in germany we have um freiwillige feuerwehr which means like um um volunteer fire department right mm -hmm. pretty much and um he he's good he used to be a part of it and has a lot of friends there and the the fire department uh, over here is more of a social <laughs> thing it's hard to explain like they they, they have uh often they take care of other fires like you know um uh, trying to eliminate your thirst yeah. having little <laughs> beer wagons <laughs> yeah well that's the thing so exactly they have a lot of parties uh for the village and like and you know traditionally that's how a lot of things were over here in north germany um the the fire department was actually kind of like a, 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 an alternative pub <laughs> <laughs> to a degree because you know the fire like they had everything they needed uh and so anyway they would have a lot of uh, barbecues and picnics and stuff like that around the fire hall and uh so therefore the fire department has like multiple uh um uh what's the word i'm looking for like caravan hangers right like uh, that um, are that are just full of beer on tap and, mm -hmm. and booze and refrigeration like it's it's awesome right so um and so whenever he has a little party he just kind of like goes down the hill knocks on the door and picks one of one of these things up and then mm -hmm. puts a keg in there so um so that's always fun and the, and so the actual and the, and the actual wagon itself has the the music system built into it as well so it's uh it's very versatile <laughs> and um, so, yeah, we had a good time until three in the morning with loud music and lots of beer. But the point is, you know, as you mentioned, yeah, uh, I woke up and the first thing I thought to myself is, you know, I know my limits. Why did I go that far? Mm -hmm. And this is this is that topic today. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. So? How, why do we test ourselves? What is that? Yeah, and question. it is interesting. You know, I'm I'm of the impression that uh, there are a lot of reasons, I think, why we test ourselves. I think our immune system is, is, is the first thing I'd like to talk about. Why do babies go and put their hands into everything? Mm -hmm. You know, the, the risk of them getting poisoned or yep. eating something really bad or choking on something, you know, is, is very high. But yet they still do it and they do it because they need to build that, that, yep. that gut biome yeah, at a yeah. young age. And the yeah. same thing with cats, the same thing with any animal, really. They, yeah, yeah. you know, very, very hands-on uh, when it comes to getting dirty, mm -hmm. right? So living in sterile environments is not good for a young child. No, no, right? and you get allergies and all that. I think the reason I have never had any allergies is that I grew up on a, like a little farm, you know, always yeah. playing in the dirt and <laughs> with the piggies and <laughs> with the, the piggies yeah. and the cows and the cats and all that. <laughs> exactly, right? And never it makes had any allergies. Yeah, and and this is something you know my mom uh, used to tell me as well is because uh, she's a, a holistic nutritionist. Um, 
that back in the 90s, she was saying back then, she was like, people over 70 don't have allergies. Mm. Just don't have mm -hmm. it. And her opinion was that um, pre-penicillin allergies didn't really exist, mm. right? Yeah. If they did, they were extremely rare. And nowadays, you know, how many people I know who have allergies? Like, yeah. like I've got friends of mine who have their children in, in young, like in the, in kindergarten and stuff. And it's like, there's a shopping list of children's and with uh, every child comes with like a warning label now. Yeah, really. Right? It's, <laughs> Don't it's, give it, feed it, it this. Yeah, it's that. crazy. It's absolutely mental. Yeah. Right. And and this is, this is the new normal. And, yeah. and then we talk about uh, cancer rates, how that's going up and up and up. And mm. that to me, I see that it goes hand in hand with our technology and our environment. Yeah. You yeah. see it. I mean, you, you see the drugs, uh, the, the, um, um, the medical industry, you know, uh, the just how the technologies, the Wi-Fi, you know, there was some, there was something I, I was listening to. Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, something Lee. It'll, it'll have to come. It'll come back to me. He was on Freeman the other week. Uh, well, it's an older recording from 2021, but it was a repeat that I listened to uh, while we were driving to bring the cat right mm -hmm. to his new family. And um, he said, you know, I'd like to know if anybody has ever done the math as to how much heat or um, um, energy mm -hmm. from electromagnetism is actually going into our atmosphere, you know, absorbing really mm -hmm, into mm -hmm. the water because water absorbs energy really well. And um, we know this because, you know, if you if we try to uh, balance, um, for example, a radio frequency off the ionosphere, you can yeah. see the loss yeah, yeah. through, or if you try to send information from a satellite downwards, you can see the loss through the, the atmosphere, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the atmosphere really does absorb a lot of this energy. And nowadays we, everybody has a transceiver in their pocket. Uh, they're, 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 there's a, a cell phone tower every couple hundred meters yeah, now. Yeah. Um, and these things, uh, I did the math on one of them a while ago in a, in a decent populated area. Um, a 5G tower will use as much energy in a month um, as to a, a regular two-family, a two-bedroom apartment mm. in a year. Yeah, and that's yeah, just yeah. and that energy is just going right. It's just it's yeah, just yeah. being emitted. Where's it going, right? Yeah. So I, I'm just saying this because now we live in a society where we can now even take this on a social level, right? Like on, on a society level. In the beginning, we were talking about doing dangerous things to test ourselves. Now we're talking about drugs in mm. the sense that on an individual level, some people have no self control, others have more self control. Yeah. Others aren't interested in doing things that are stupid. Others want to be like me. I was a I was a little dare, daredevil when I was young. I was jumping <laughs> off of buildings and and flipping off of cars. Mm. You know, I mean, like this was my normality. Yeah, as you said, I think this is the normality, and I think it has to do with with also if you go on a more spiritual level on it. You know, you you don't have that fear. You somehow have that trust that you know things mm -hmm. will always work out for you. <laughs> and yeah, so, yeah. as if someone would look at you and think, "Well, is he is he crazy? Is he like you know tired of life?" You just really feel the life, and you mm -hmm. know that this what I'm doing right here is exactly the right thing for me, and I I know that I'm protected. So, and I think maybe another example that I learned also through my shamanic work, talking to animals on that mm -hmm. level. Um, for example, with cats, you know, when you live in an area where you have a street and you, you're worried about your cat going on a street and getting hit by a car is also mm. a dumb thing to do for that cat because, you know, sure. 
and you would think why why does it actually happening because they have good instincts you know they should know that this is a dangerous place mm -hmm. so one thing i actually heard or experienced on a shamanic journey why i had a contact with an animal that has been killed through a car accident and the, the previous owner asked you know how's my cat doing what happened why why is that happening and mm -hmm. that cat also heard it from other cats said that basically they do this when they want to get out of life because they had the experience here they wanted to and now they just want to leave so they do it on purpose in order to end their lives and sometimes is that they take a lot of um, a lot of emotional mm -hmm. um burden from their owners with them in order to relieve you know the their their cat parents <laughs> yeah, eh? and then they take it with them into the next like when when they maybe come back but just they take mm -hmm. it out of this of this middle world i would say and, yeah. and bring it somewhere else in order to heal their, you know, their there's an interesting parents. point there is like in 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 so here in northern uh, europe um it was very common in the past that um older people wanted to die in battle i mean mm -hmm. that's a part of the, yeah. the, the the north germanic tradition yeah, right yeah. and to go um, to valhalla <laughs> to go to valhalla exactly and um that a lot of the older people would actually become more not self-destructive but they would want to be yeah, in, in more dangerous battle. battles yeah. in order to die that way they were ready to go yeah same thing american indians yeah. had things like that as well even um when uh, the elders felt that they were a burden same yeah. thing actually i've always we can go on into this on a different episode but i've like the 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 correlation between North American Indians and uh, Germanic culture, mm -hmm. like we're talking about um, Bronze Age Germanic mm -hmm. culture and mm -hmm. stuff like that, it, there's there are so many um, mm -hmm. similarities. Like even the art looks very similar. I've always yeah. thought. Yeah. Um. The the idea that elderly people, um, they 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 go off and die. Isn't that from the from that movie Norsemen when they at the cliff and they yeah yeah oh, yeah it's like he brings yeah, them to the cliff a, and it. yeah the, yeah the, yeah the etastrup the, the, so the etastrup is is a, is a funny thing that yeah and some cultures like in in Sweden they had uh, the, the the old people would jump off cliffs mm -hmm. and if yeah and and, and um in um in North America some of the Native Americans they would just walk go off into the forest and never come back yeah. they would get you know be barefoot or whatever yeah. you know and that's really the same idea with with our pets you know that they are actually here also for us to help us and to heal Crazy. a lot of our emotional burdens that take on a lot of it and then when they're ready they take it with them they they purposely leave of course for us it's, it's hard to see you know that they yeah. are hit by a car or something but when, whenever i talk to a cat where that happened they purposely they said i actually did that on purpose because it's time for me to go i wanted to take all this with me interesting yeah um so before we get into the article yeah because we're not going to make this a very long show today uh the last thing we want to now t uh, really talk about is maybe perhaps from um because you're getting you're touching upon it anyway you know upon a maybe more of an esoteric feeling mm. right um in that maybe the universe wants something yeah and this is an interesting idea right like uh, we're just exploring these these thoughts you know it's a uh, it's it's a nice little thought exercise i find mm -hmm. and the idea is that perhaps um how i can best say the universe wants to learn mm -hmm. about yeah. itself and we are perhaps kind of like its tentacles it's yes it's, you know yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. by doing so it um it's using us as an opportunity yep. to um 
to to learn about itself. And I think that yeah. if we all played it safe, it wouldn't learn as much. Yeah, and that's an yeah, interesting absolutely. idea. Now, mm. and also, if you talk about, you mentioned earlier to me before the program about the ideas of reincarnation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That um, certain animals, uh, they have shorter lifespans because yeah. they want to reincarnate more. Yeah, like, you know, with, with right. spiders or flies and, and they live maybe just only one day or a so couple you, you, days. You, you, are, you, are, you, are you amongst the school of thought that, um, are, or like, that insects also reincarnate? I would think uh, every every living being is um, can reincarnate. Even like the living beings that we don't think is living being. <laughs> yeah. For for example, like a or maybe a stone or has longer lifespan, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> than than an animal or a plant. But I would from everything that I experienced so far from the shamanic journeying and the the things I learned from there is I would say whenever. Basically, it's nothing else as if that kind of energy has a physical form in that middle world. And whenever yeah. that form is gone through decay or, uh, you know, it's just it's just time for it, yeah. then you still have that energy and it goes back and it, come, it, can, it can come back to have another form. Okay. So that's what I would think. And as you said, that's that's a way of making a lot of experiences in in in. in in different forms you right. can become an animal you can become a plant you can become mm-hmm. a human being and you live different constellations you know in one life you might be a music superstar in the next mm-hmm. one <laughs> i don't know what else and so that's why even if you fuck up on the way you know you take a, a pill too much or something yep. there's no it's like a game then you have another life to come yeah, up sure. you know uh, you need bill, to have another try bill hicks said that in the past too he said that you know um perhaps we are a, a part of the universe uh, trying to experience itself. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's a very, very shamanic worldview of of mm-hmm. why we're here to really experience and also interact and and learn not only from our own experiences in that world that we live right now and can see, but everything mm-hmm. else. You can always ask the spirits in 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 the other worlds and ask for help. You know, what is it actually I should do next? Right. And sometimes you might do something that you think, oh my goodness, I don't want to do this. It's too dangerous, but it's you, part you, of your It's a funny thing. Schedule. I mean, <laughs> have you ever done a shamanic journey to yourself? Um, that's a good question. I think we had we had something similar in one of mm-hmm. our uh, classes because the first thing is that you have to accept or not accept, but you know, have to kind of wrap your mind around the idea that you have a soul of your own. Mm-hmm. And so from there you can connect with everything else. And it is, I think I not not a shamanic journey, but definitely getting in touch with that part within me, that right. spirit um, essence. Right. And once you also do the shamanic journey, you actually can really feel that this is actually the part of you that is on the journey. It's it's mm. it's a very familiar, but it's really separated from your body. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a crazy thing. And crazy. It's hard to put it in words. You really have to experience it for yeah, your. Yeah. All right. Well, let's yeah. let's shift over yeah, to the last part of, the, uh, of of our talk today uh, of this pod, video cast episode. And before we uh, go any further, I'm going to bring in. Oh, if it works, we'll see. Oh no, it didn't work. Uh, here, let's see if I can. There it goes, and oh, there it goes. Comments. Oh, okay. Um. No. So we are live on Rockfin, Telegram, Twitch, Rumble, and Kick. So you guys can probably tell now that we got rid of something. We got rid of uh, D Life. We got. Uh, I, I was. They got rid of us. <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, not at all. Oh, okay. uh, what had I happened thought... was is uh, it's interesting. You know, I had been talking about this now for um, 
a little bit that I wasn't really happy with, uh, with D life too much. And we wanted to cut one because we wanted to go back to rumble. So today we're streaming live on rumble. So for any of you guys in rumble, we're going to monitor the chat once in a while, um, because it doesn't have an integration into directly into the feed. We'll just have to monitor it. And if you guys ask questions, we will get to them and so on mm -hmm. and so forth, uh, in due time. But, um, so therefore we're, and I decided to keep kick on. It's a brand new platform. So there aren't a lot of people on there. And even in the podcast video cast section, there isn't a lot happening, but, uh, I, I, I think it'll grow. So mm -hmm. we'll see okay. how that goes. Good. Um, that being said, we're also live on uh, Podbean. So for all of you guys listening on Podbean, hello to you. I can see a couple of people are chiming in right now. Hello. And uh, <laughs> same thing, we'll get to your questions uh, or comments. If you have anything to ask us, uh, please let us know. We'd, we'd, we'd love to have you guys join the program and join in on the conversation. Um, and yeah, so Rumble, what had happened with them was, is not Rumble, sorry, DLive, what happened with them was, is they um, very simply... I got an I got an email and they said that they were going to cut um they, they were going to limit my account because of some type of offense that they had you know I violated their terms and agreements I wrote them I asked them to tell me what term and agreement they said oh that was a mistake uh don't worry you're back on the online mm -hmm. and I just thought I didn't have a good feeling about that even the fact that they do that at all you know something I mm -hmm. really like about um Rockfin is we can speak our mind we can do what we want uh, YouTube, we don't stream to YouTube because uh, they're they're kind of cunty, and that's just the end of it, right? And uh, so we're just going to leave that alone, <laughs> right? And right. <laughs> uh, and so that being said, we just got rid of D Live, so we're mm -hmm. not going back there. Anyway, um, let's get back into the program. Well, you want to save the comment for later, or is there a comment right now? Yeah, oh, so, um, go ahead. I want. I don't know if I can read it around the corner. So it says. I think it's from Tick Radio. Hello. Mm -hmm. He says that shamanism is a way of life, a way of living in harmony and balance on Mother Earth. And uh, I don't know how to pronounce that. Huichich Indians of Mexico mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. say that it's our responsibility as human beings to be good um, caretakers mm -hmm. of the Earth. And it's our responsibility to nurture our environment, mm -hmm. ourselves, and all the life on the altar of Mother Earth. Mother's mm -hmm. Earth, yeah. Yeah, absolutely agree. That's exactly what I want to say is shamanism yeah. in that regard. Well, I mean, just to inform, um, um, what is that? Uh, TK Radio? I can't read it from here. TIK yeah, Radio. TIK Radio. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you have, you, you've you been studying now for a couple of years, the, the core shamanism. That's yeah, uh, that's through uh, Michael Harner. And, um, you know, perhaps maybe give us a couple of words about that before we jump into the next part. Yeah, I can. I mean, Michael Harner was an, uh, we mentioned it already a couple of times in, in our episodes, series. Yeah. yeah, he was a American anthropologist and he was interested in the culture of indigenous tribes. And he went to different parts, specifically in South America. I have I think, Jaivo, I forget the name of the, the okay. tribes over there. So in order to learn, really, he had to be part of their culture. So he also was introduced into the shaman, uh, shaman work. Mm -hmm. And he drank their ayahuasca, he did the ceremonies yeah. with them. And But he went all over the world. He went to India, he went to Africa. Yeah, but I think this yeah. is how it started for but, him okay. and how he became curious about because really experienced it for himself, right. the, the the journeys that he had and the right. experience that he had and then went back to and America. The truth that he found. Yeah, the truth that he found yeah. and really that connection to everything that is around him. I think he mm -hmm. had a, specifically with the ayahuasca plant, a very deep 
deep experience right. and spiritual experience. And so he came back to America and he started giving classes or created classes in order to yeah. give that experience to other people who had not the possibility to, to travel down there. Mm. And that's how I expanded it also to the Shamanic Foundation of Europe, where actually now I am a student of. Okay. And But it's the same idea, whether it's core shamanism or I think, you know, shamanism well, I mean, from just all over the world. Just to explain core shamanism is, is um, it, 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 there are, he noticed as an anthropologist that there are similarities. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All there's, over the place. Yeah. And that he wanted to create core shamanism that focused focuses on the similarities uh, or the belief structure yeah. that is similar within all the tribes that he saw all over the planet. Also right? unifying kind of, you know, these these old these old traditions. And he said right. some, when he started also going to other places and he said, you know, there are actually others out there, other indigenous tribes that also have shamanic practices in there. And some were just like, what? I thought we were the only one left. Yeah, you know, exactly. they were like really surprised and happy. So one yeah. of his, his motives and motivations was really to, to keep that alive life to keep these old yeah. traditions alive and that's why he created that and mm -hmm. i'm very thankful because there are a lot of interesting techniques to learn but yeah as you said there are core aspects mm -hmm. to it that everything is alive everything has a spirit and therefore everything is connected with each other you can communicate with yeah. everything and as tik radio says that we as humans are part of that whole whole system that we can communicate with everything that's around us and that's also our responsibility to 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 fulfill our work here well, in a way th this is actually interesting to me yeah. because we're talking about now the, the even the concept of responsibility i always find that to be a bit funny but yeah. in all reality you know we're talking about just the ideas that we're putting forward today that um we live to test ourselves yeah right um, and if we talk about that idea that perhaps there is a more intrinsic and in-depth and meaningful interaction between ourselves and our universal mm -hmm. living room, right, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. environment, that um, that perhaps this idea of responsibility is, is nothing more than um, building a connection to something that is you, you know, yeah, uh, that, yeah. that you're a part of. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. this, he also said that the shamanism origina originated in Siberia and is still a crucial part of indigenous cultures. I'm not so sure where it really originated as it is at least a couple thousands of years old. Well, I think that shamanism, like again, you know, as a, as a catch-all phrase, yeah. the, the idea of the shaman itself, uh, what culture began with the shaman, and I would mm -hmm. say shaman as like, you know, the spiritual leader of the tribe, but shamanism yeah. as today we call it as a spiritual practice is it's something more, yeah, that's the, completely and, different. And I would say yeah, that shamanism practice. has probably always been with us. The idea of having a shaman as a leader, I'm not sure where, if, 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 if it's started in Siberia, if that's yeah, one of the older um, places that uh, we've um, used, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised well, like uh, through archaeological uh, studies and so on and yeah. so forth, they probably found up there uh, um, well, evidence. Probably that. also the, that area is a, yeah, well, I, we'll look it up. It's interesting, but absolutely in general, I think that it has evolved in many places independently mm. as an, you know, as, as an evolution because well, it's just working. It is a, it is when, a, when you talk about like even uh, in the Vedic uh, ideas, they talk about these intrinsic laws of nature mm. and that every culture that is based in, in, in relating to nature and mm -hmm. to reality will 
always kind of stumble upon these natural yeah, laws. Yeah, and yeah, shamanism yeah. is an explore is an exploration of these natural laws, right? Absolutely. Again, as because the the one of the main assumptions or principles is that a stone is not only a stone and a plant is not only a plant, like mm -hmm. being a kind of like a you know, just an, an an environment for us to live in, but it is its own living environment that we are just that we are part of it. Mm -hmm. Everything is connected. I think that's the main idea behind it. If you if you take that in your everyday life, then you will you will also be more gentle with everything that is around you because you know it's it's family. You know, yeah. <laughs> your your plant. This is not only a plant in the garden, but it's part of your family, and you wouldn't harm yeah. parts of your family. <laughs> so that's why this idea would just in general, I think lead to a very like a higher mm, yeah we would take more care about our environment and we yeah. would be more thankful for everything that we have around us but let's move to let's, that let's paper move on now. To the next part. so we're going to talk about something that's called universe 25 and this mm. is a very very interesting um idea i'm going to go pull up the paper and pull up the picture okay uh, why don't you give us an overview and an outline of what what, what, what it is and um, yeah i first i'll talk would... about in a second where i found this oh, and okay, why it good. became interesting do you want me to talk about that first yeah, first. yeah so i was watching <laughs> so i was listening to a podcast earlier this week i can't remember who it was a guy on rockfin sorry i'd, I'd say your name if i if i paid more attention um <laughs> I'm not good with names. It's just, uh, it's, it's, I think it's on the, oh, it was the Gramacia show, I believe it was. Uh, anyway, so, um, and the idea was that, that, uh, anyway, yeah, so that's where I found it on, on a rock thing. I'm, 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 I'm you still here. hangover, right? I'm definitely still hungover. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, All right. here, how about you go into it? I'm going to pull up the picture. I'm going to pull up the paper digitally uh, so that it's not we'll just. Just leave it that you've, you heard about this in a, one of the podcasts and you thought it's quite I, interesting. I, 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 well, and... it was so interesting and I started looking more online into it. Uh, so, I found a bunch of YouTube videos yeah. that uh, talked about the ideas and the assumptions. Mm -hmm. And I found a lot of the YouTube videos to be. Um, surreal and far-fetching in the way that they summarized it. I just, I thought to myself, yeah, I, either they're inter, inter, injecting a lot of stuff yeah. um, or the paper is crazy. So mm -hmm. I decided to actually find the original publish, uh, publication, which is I think in 63 or 68, and to read it with you and go through it. Yeah. And actually, it, it is pretty crazy. <laughs> so this is why we wanted yeah. to talk about that so, in this episode today. The name of the paper is Death Squared, the Explosive Growth and Demise of a Mouse Population by John B. Calhoun. Uh, I think he's a medical doctor. Mm -hmm. And he was from... Rockville Pike University, I think. I don't know. Yeah. And that that paper has been published in the Proceedings of the Royal. He's also an evolutionary biologist, just like you. Yes, just like me. What's the word for that in English? You told me that today. Ethologist. Ethologist. So you're an ethologist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's hard to say. You know, it's like my research had many different aspects. I also had a urban ecology, so I would be, call myself an urban ecologist. There was yeah, a right. lot of evolutionary aspects to it, so I would call myself an evolutionary biologist. So there are many things. It's hard to really put that into one thing. But yeah, if you want to call me like that, call me like that. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think behavioral biologist is the best thing because that's it really, how I always even you know you you never really liked evolution and going into. Um, I was always most interested in the behavior part, yeah, but yeah. everything else also goes into that in order to explain. Yeah. But yeah, so the paper was published in the Proceedings of the Royal Society in Medic Medicine in Volume sixty six, January nineteen seventy three. So it has been already a couple of years, <laughs> mm -hmm. and. It starts off really weird where he kind of goes into, I don't know even what he does, 
like a even like a novel start where he really comes well, up with some what, what's it about what's the main premise so he tries to understand what kind of factors influence the population growth of i think human beings but in, he tested it on mice mm -hmm. and he started off with 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 comparing what factors are actually responsible for death for mortality okay and he comes up with i think he list, lists listed um, so he has four mortality factors listed in Revelation that have direct counterparts in the ecology of animals and nature. Hmm. So the first is the sort that would be as in Revelation yeah. and the ecology, ecological sword, expression. Sword, like a, like a... Like a Schwert, yeah. Okay, yeah, so, sword, yeah. And um, that is what comes up, obviously, in the Revelation, as you said, is the part of the Bible, right? Yeah, yeah. That, this is what, what was the reason for, for mm -hmm. death, right? Mm -hmm. So the mm -hmm. sort, just by yeah. fights and... Yeah. and yeah, obviously the mice are not fighting with each other with swords. Yeah, he, he, he put. A, it's it's funny to read a, an actual scientific paper from the '60s where the guy is constantly talking about revelations in yeah. the Bible. It's really interesting to see that it that mix. You don't see that very often. Definitely something that I've never really read that way yeah. as, as a scientific paper. Although I read also a lot of papers that had been published in you know 1970 something. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely a, a different approach, more artistic, I guess. But I'm just saying, like even in biology, generally the religious stuff isn't a part of the science. No, no, And it's really all. interesting to no. see how he, the, yeah. the structure of the actual yeah. paper is based on yeah. revelations. It's, it's it's very fascinating. Yeah. So, well, at the beginning, he, he has that comparison, you know, sort of, obviously, mouse uh, mice are not having any still sorts with them to kill themselves. Mm -hmm. But he said it's more about the immigration in the biological systems where he says it's not really mortality, but if some mice, for example, the population move out and go somewhere else, they're not part of the population anymore, which means their number is shrinking. Mm. So he says it has the same effect as mortality, migration or emigration to go somewhere else, right? Right. The, the, seventh, uh, the, the second is the famine. Is that right? Famine? Yeah, famine. Famine. Yes. And so in, in, in natural systems, ecosystems, it's of course the shortage, uh, the shortage of resources like no more food, no more water, also inclement of weather when there is a fire going on or a flood and everything is just, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's reducing the resources. And then also, and the third one is the pestilence mm -hmm. that has its expression in, in disease, right? In, in, in nat nature. Yeah. And four is the wild beasts, obviously something that is attacking you in the Bible. <laughs> and you have the predation in the real world. Mm -hmm. So basically what he's looking at when he says, what, a, what, can, what factors are influencing the population density of an animal? It is the immigration, how many animals move away. Yeah. And you have how many resources they have. Is there enough food? Is there enough water? Is there enough nesting sites? Mm -hmm. And then also, is the weather okay? Or is there anything changing all the time? If there's a fire coming, they're all dead. Yeah. Obviously, a reason of mortality. Disease. The more animals within a population, the more likely that they infect themselves, each other, mm -hmm. amongst each other with parasites or whatever. Yep. And of course, predation. Mm -hmm. So what he did, he came up with the, the idea of creating um, that Universe 25, which is a huge <laughs> pen. I think, yeah, it, it says here the, 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 the form, like the dimensions. It was a closed physical universe mm -hmm. was formed by four, five, 55 inches, so one meter th 37, high walls forming a square of sight 
and 100 inches, mm. so 2 meters 57. And although the walls were structured for use by mice though, in, to increase the effective use area of the universe, the mice could not climb over the upper 17 inch. Okay. So he just described, as you can see that on the picture, it looked really weird. I still don't really know how it works, to be honest. But there were several tunnels as well as a, like in a star formation. Mm -hmm. And within the tunnels, the mice had also their nesting yeah, he, he didn't boxes. do a very good job in the paper describing how he built this yeah, system, but the picture says of. a lot. The picture says more and it yeah. would have been also easier to have like a schematic yeah. illustration where you can see it a little bit better. But yeah, so that's how what he, he started. And then he put in four pairs of 48 days old bulb sea strain house mice. Mm -hmm into the universe on July 1968. And then he followed their their development. He just looked them up. It was not written in a paper that they were actually individual marked. Uh, that was my first question. How many of them were male and how many of them were female? Does it say? Didn't say anything. Okay. Didn't say anything. Well, no, I don't see anything here. Maybe it was more in the data. So yeah, but he they the, these mice were individually marked. He didn't mention that in a paper, but there's a discussion added to that paper where some of the professors asked him about that. And yeah. then he said, yeah, we individually marked them so that we could also tell them apart. And right. they had like so they had millions like of observing observation points. So okay. they observed them quite a lot. And then what he realized... That, that data is not in the, in the published paper. Hmm? It's funny that that data is not in the paper. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe there are other publications we have to look out for. Maybe he actually published it on a separate paper. Mm, I wouldn't say so. No. Just not written well. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So, and then he, you know, he said like in the first 104 days, mm, they there was a lot of social turmoil. So it seemed to be that these eight mice had a lot to discuss about, you know, mm -hmm. their social structure, who's the, the leader. And so he said there was a lot of turmoil going on, but eventually they kind of settled in. And then they observed that the, the females started breeding. Mm. And the first litters were were um, were placed or born, mm -hmm. yeah. And then he actually observed and exhibit an, an exponential increase with a doubling time of about fifty five days. Hmm. This progression of numbers was approx approximately twenty, forty, eighty, one hundred sixty, three hundred twenty to sixty six hundred twenty after nearly. Five doubling. So that phase B he called was really an exponential growth. First okay. they kind of, you know, had to had to settle in and had to move in and yeah, had to be yeah. comfortable. And then once they were comfortable, the females started giving birth to mm -hmm. their litters. And obviously with mice, you all know who those who have mice in their cellar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they do it like rabbits. Yeah. You know, they just like keep going and eventually they doubled each other, um, the population within a couple of days and so that was an exponential growth. Mm. He called that the phase B. And then he also kind of went into, if you go a little bit down in the paper, you can see how he how he distinguished the different, that, that, that square, that was actually the, the growth rate. You can this see in here, the beginning. Yeah. yeah. So in the beginning, after 33 days, 55 days, they really started exponentially growth. And then you can see phase C where is the growth is not that steep anymore. Mm -hmm. And then it's actually stagnating and it goes down. And he mm -hmm. says that's the phase D. And then the phase, we were in phase B right now. So exponential growth. And if you go a little down too, there's another picture where he kind of, this is the schematic drawing of the universe 25 of that whole pen. Mm -hmm. So he mapped the breeding groups and he could actually see that there was 
like a bilateral symmetry. There were some, they were only breeding in the Northeast part of the of that pen hmm. and some were on the opposite on the southwest hmm. so obviously there was a lot of separation going on and they kind of maybe started to separate different resources and i guess these uh, are the tunnels these are the tunnels right okay. so it's where they strange had, that they're all different yeah yeah it's it was an interesting way of how they how they built the whole thing mm-hmm. yeah and also the food food places where they had the food and then He also talked about the productivity of the group, that he looked into the social ranking and then how many offsprings they actually had. Mm -hmm. That was my first question, how he could actually come up with this um, information if the the mice were not individually marked. But as I said later on, I realized that he actually, that the mice were individually marked. He just didn't mark, he just didn't. He didn't mention it. And that's so that makes sense. He could really see that those mice who were socially higher in ranking, mm-hmm. they had also more offsprings, which is normal. It's the same with rabbits, yep. right? So, but yeah, that was that thing going on. And then he had actually a stagnation phase C, he called. At the beginning at day 315 after colonization and continuing for another 245 more days, mm-hmm. the population grew at a much slower rate, doubling only every 145 days rather than each 55 days. So what happened was that more and more males, so the, the mm. population grew, right? But there was no way for them to go out. Usually in nature, the males, or I think also the females start leaving their their natural, mm-hmm. where they had been born, and they go somewhere else to find a new home, yeah. to to just get that, that, that pressure out of their home area. Mm-hmm. It's just too many of them. But in that pen, obviously, they couldn't go anywhere. Right. So it started to to become really crowded in that, in that area. And the males became more attacking to each other. They were more um, aggressive to each other, more territorial. Mm-hmm. And also, so the, the population growth kind of went stagnated and even went a little bit more down. Right. Um, after that time, because what happened was that the females couldn't actually not breed proper anymore because they were constantly um, disturbed by other males and they, they started defending yeah you, you had and, the, and, and the, their the own ma- children who grew up hmm? the fact that like uh, when um when the pups nazo and the uh the legit, when, the young ones? When, when the young ones when they grow up they're supposed to leave yeah yeah and yeah, because yeah. they couldn't leave they're yeah. still there they're still there and, they, and, they and, started I, and eating. I wonder how much they bothered the mother after yeah you know just and he didn't mention that too much but he said that this uh, the females the nursing females uh, they were more exposed to invasion of the nest sites so you know they were constantly disturbed and they eventually didn't take care of the young anymore and that started in in a reduced mm. um, in, in a increased because, mortality because rate. the kids couldn't go anywhere yeah. the, the mother just tried to get away from them he also didn't mention that one i think it could happen but mm-hmm. he said well you what, said that it started it, it, it abandoned taking care of them so in what case like in it just stop teaching it or it tried to run away from them or he didn't mention any of that he just said as a result of the extreme demands made on territorial males to reject maturing associates their ability to continue territorial defense declined so what i think i don't i'm not an expert in mice (laughs) right but i think maybe there were a couple mice the 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 father of the litters you know the high social high-ranking males Mm -hmm. that try to do protective the females that they were actually not able to protect them anymore because there's so many other males bothering them all the time that they right. were not able to to defend them. And something that happened then later on in the phase D was that they saw that mm, 
there were the birth rates went down again and the mortality also like the you could see that was stagnating and now it's mm -hmm. actually goes, goes down and they found that um, a lot of females were actually not giving birth to to young anymore although they were actually in the in a good age of it right and also they had the males they called them the beautiful ones <laughs> were not they were wow. not interested anymore in in mating they were at this at the right age but they were not interested in mating they didn't show any mating behavior so eventually the 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 mice were not uh, procreating anymore so they had these opposites that the females there were a lot of females didn't want to give birth or that they were not yeah, interested yeah. in becoming a mother anymore and then you had the beautiful ones that obviously were not interested in mating anymore yeah and he found that really interesting how that happened he he explained it that way that because the mothers really rejected their young earlier yeah. and didn't really show them proper social behavior that they didn't really learn how to how to get in contact with the other mm -hmm. sex that they don't have the proper social skills anymore and that's also something that i always learned and, and heard about with cats you know you have to leave them with their mother for at least 14 weeks mm -hmm. to to ensure that they have all the social skills necessary to survive on their own right. to read the behavior of the conspecifics the the other sex to know what what kind of you know mating courtship behavior and all that and okay. if they're rejected too early they don't know what to do with themselves and the other that's fascinating yeah. you know it's it's, it's fascinating to, to see that how much information is translated yeah just from the mother to the pups absolutely and that's the same thing with with you know i would say if you translate he actually tries to do that you know he tries to, to translate that to human behavior well, i find it funny like it's, mm -hmm. it's actually interesting that that is a key part of the paper is how the mother abandoned uh <clears throat> the young and it's interesting because he, like you mentioned he doesn't yeah. go into enough detail as to yeah. how she abandoned them is it did she try to run away from them was she attacking them was she um just lethargic you know what i mean like well it's for example, here he says, by midway in phase C, he's, he's essentially all young were prematurely rejected by their mothers. And so rejected, so she was probably hitting them yeah, and saying, they go, started go away. independent life without having developed adequate effective bonds. Yeah. Then as they moved out into an already dense population, many attempts to engage in social interaction were mechanically disrupted by passage of other mice. So yeah, he didn't really say how specifically the mother reacted. He, they rejected probably, which really pushed them out. Mm. Maybe they were not able to wean anymore. Mm. That's what I would say. She was not taking care of them anymore. As you sa saw with our cat, you know, she was constantly um, f uh, licking them and, and cleaning uh, the young. He, she mm -hmm. was still weaning them, even she, they were already a couple, of, uh, like 12 weeks old. So weaning? really just weaning. Yeah. Um, uh, giving milk. Oh, I've never heard it in that context. Oh, oh so. I think it's a it's a biological term. I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's what I would think, and I, I I definitely saw that with cats too. We had my first cat. The siblings were were killed because they were, were not wanted, and mm -hmm. he was grown up all by himself. And with, he was given away the, pretty young too. Just huh? with the mother, and he was given to us. I don't know how old he was, but he had like he had no social behavior towards other mm. other cats, and he was very aggressive to, uh, towards us as well. Whereas right. with our our cats, our litters, we kept him them until they were at least fourteen weeks old, right. and they were all. There was no problem them really at the end taking them away from the mother and bringing them to their new homes within a couple of days. They were just fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, so, that and I think the big thing too to to really touch upon is the healthy psychology of the mother. Yeah. Plays yeah. a massive role Absolutely. into how the children develop. Absolutely. If you have a narcissistic psychopath mother, yeah. you're going to end up with kids who have problems. 
Yep. And you know, we see that in human population very clearly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we wonder why why we're so fucked <laughs> ourselves as if biology gives all the answers, right? And it's just mm. it, it makes just so much sense. Of course, the first years, the first time with, with the mother is so essential. And if there's a lack of of attention, lack of nourishment that this will have immense influences on the social behavior. That's mm. that's just so obvious. And maybe as a last thing to that paper, of course, he tries to, to adapt this idea or his observations to humans where mm. he, sa he says, you know, for an animal so simple as a mouse, the most complex behaviors involve the interrelated set of courtship, maternal care, territorial mm -hmm. defense and so on and so forth um, when behaviors related to these functions fail to mature there is no development of social organization and no reproduction mm. and for an animal so complex as men there is no logical reason why a comparable sequence of events should not also lead to species spe species extinction okay. if, if opportunities for role fulfillment far, far oh, sorry fall far short mm -hmm. of the demand by those capable of filling roles and having expectations expectancies to mm -hmm. do so only violence and disruption of social organization can follow individuals born under these circumstances will be so out of touch with reality hmm. as to be incapable even of alienation he said that he mentioned that with falling out of the role he said he he argued that the 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 animals that are born into that population that has already exceeded its mm. numbers, they don't find their their places in it. The the roles are already all fulfilled. With the young males, you know, there are already other territorial males. There's no space for them left in order mm. to fulfill that position. So that's why they become aggressive or they don't know what to do with, with themselves. Yep. And this is the same, as he said, with human societies. If all roles are already filled out and this this can lead to the social organizations, the disruption of it. Hmm. I would say the first thing I, I have in mind is like if there's no jobs anymore because all roles literally are filled, you know, yeah. then you might have also a disruption of the social organization, okay. something like that. Yeah, fascinating. Yeah, I found that also interesting. I would say, you know, that that experience is not really... I think the idea is kind of interesting, but he didn't do a good job of describing how he did it, how they right. observed, how many hours, how they were marked and all that. So it's hard to really take the, well, you know, what, what to take out of it. It's, it's interesting because the way that it was pushed in the media and the way that the YouTube channels pushed it, this is why I wanted to read it, because mm. there are a couple topics today that are very hype, right? <laughs> and overpopulation is one of them. Yeah. And so people, as you know, uh, in Germany, they did the same thing with your published, mm -hmm. uh, published papers. Mm -hmm. They would find one thing they liked in it mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. they put it forward as, mm -hmm. as if, you know, like follow the science mm -hmm. <laughs> as if as if their interpretation of it was correct. Yeah. And it was completely incorrect, actually. And well, you always have to see it in the context and you have to ask the right questions. And as I said, you know, with this guy. He didn't mention how um, how old, well, how old, but the sexual um, ratio mm. and the how they've been marked, how he actually observed them. Like, did he have a camera where he was just sitting there and observing yeah. them? I don't know how easy that is to really observe an animal as a mouse with a little red dot on him to yeah. see, well, okay, he's running from this way to this way now and, and take any conclusions from that. How how was the measurement? How was the, yeah, the whole right. method? He did, he, because, the, because of the lack of actual um, information as to how the yeah. experiment was was conducted. Um, this is why I found this now to be very alarming because yeah. the way that they pushed it forward in, in the YouTube video, as I saw, was the dangers of overpopulation. 
if we become so overpopulated, we will become, uh, we will depopulate. Well, and again, like, you have but, to. But I mean, to to yeah. an apocalyptic. And you have to keep in mind that he, it was an experiment, which means it was a, under controlled condition. Right. These mice were always in the same ambient temperature. There's no weather, exactly. No weather about twenty degrees, right? They had yeah. food and water, and he said he mentioned actually how long they would be so able right. to survive with that uh, supply. And there was no predators, there was no disease, nothing of right. these natural factors that would play a role in population control in that right. regard. And taking that out of this little experiment into the world and saying, you know, the same could happen to humans. Well, even if you would see the Earth as the universe 25, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> There's still a lot of space for us to, to, to go to. And also we are so-called environmental engineers. That, that means that we are able to figure things out the way, you know, and change, to, our, environment, and change yeah. our environment to a way that we are actually able to get into new resources and problem mm. solving. Whereas mice are... Maybe they're also kind of environment engineers, but I've never really heard about... But not nearly the not level nearly as people. Not nearly in that right. way. So you can't compare it maybe as an idea, right? As I just mm. did it, like it's an interesting way of, of playing your thoughts. But there's absolutely no way to say, well, this is the same that could happen to us because it is a little experiment and we are in a human human and on earth where we still have a lot of space right yeah to to move out and to also find new places new resources yeah, it's, it's it's like i said it's very fascinating to see how uh all the public when you go on youtube the first yeah. thing they talk about universe 25 is the danger of overpopulation but, but one thing i would say is that when we go back also to the spiritual aspect if mm -hmm. we don't find our roles in society and i would say our role is also from a shamanic point of view to really take care of our on ourselves but also about our environment mm. where we live take care about the animals and plants that are around us right. what we eat and all that and when we do that then we have a good chance of 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 not you know ending up in a <laughs> in, in a in a bad scenario but, but more yeah. more like into changing it into in a very good um area like in a very good development where we become more connected to our environment where we take more care of each other mm. and really really create an 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 overflowing environment where there is is everything there that we need because mm. we probably won't need that much anymore we are more fulfilled with being in nature and, and living a happy life instead of trying to get the newest iPad or whatever to, yeah. to fill a void that we have within us. But this is, it's a different topic. But I've seen in my work all the time, there this topic of species loss and resources that we won't have any in, enough anymore, climate change and all that. And the the way that try to, to, to change it is in my point of view, it's 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 just scratching on the surface trying to put like a little bandage over like a bleeding yeah. <laughs> you know a bleeding a deep cut and we won't be able to change we won't be able to solve the problems like that whereas stepping back and trying to see it from from a more spiritual aspect specifically from a shamanic point of view that we need to change the way we see our environment not mm. as something that we exploit not as something that we live off but we live amongst mm -hmm. other living organisms and beings yeah and have to see our responsibility of taking care not only of ourselves but also everything that's around us but right. it starts with ourselves that 
we have to find a way that we can heal from old dramas, you know, like the mm -hmm. rejected mice that is still running around and it's like not to do with 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 its life, not to know what what where's you know how to procreate and yeah, yeah. all that. Just going back to our natural healthy behaviors and i think that is what also the shamanic approach can help us with with the methods that you have at hand mm -hmm. to become that healthy living organism again because once we are going back from all these dramas and wounds that we have from our childhood and i think all of us have that that we then can create um a healthier society mm -hmm. where things will fall into place yeah yeah i yeah. agree so that that's what what I would actually so, so that's what you would extrapolate draw from that, from that yeah. paper and nothing nothing more. <laughs> nothing, okay. That was my next question: is if if there's any other uh, conclusion that you could perhaps draw from that. I think nothing. it's again. I think it was an interesting idea. He could have done a better job with describing what he really did because it's hard to to follow through and and really kind of get a get a clue what he was doing actually there. And mm. yeah, so yeah, we have a comment we can bring in yeah uh, this is from felminator i'll read it out over here yeah um like overpopulation some say we have a sort shortage of doctors in canada so this is uh, from felminator she's in canada um and i say that the shortage doesn't exist because there is a quota of how many can graduate to become uh, to be a doctor it's based on how much money the government here will use uh we have more than enough people that are ready to qualify to become doctors in canada there's just not they're just not allowed right the mm -hmm. positions aren't mm -hmm. available mm -hmm. um so like uh so like saying we have an overpopulation you have to ask um, by what definition or in what context yep. now th this is an interesting thing because uh, you know very similar to what you were saying we've we've had full episodes about this in the past mm. about how you know where we live and i mean any of you guys i i implore you to go out to the countryside you know go 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 drive down a long highway and and see how many people uh, you actually can count you know yeah yeah and this is something i just i, I see in a abundance of room and, and and space in germany like in, in we're close to berlin right so in berlin city it's it's everyone's like you know up in arms about overpopulation about how it's becoming so crowded and so on and so forth but yet a hundred years ago right in berlin there were a million more people living there hmm. so the population has gone down quite significantly what has changed is the way that people live yeah. and the way that we import stuff like food and garbage and all the stuff we don't really actually use and need and so mm. on like the fact that all of the um tradesmen can't afford to live in the inner city now means that we have to live around the city and we have yeah. to uh, you know drive to and from job sites at greater distances through greater traffic and then they start um, manipulating the roads by creating bullshit uh, bicycle paths uh, and bus paths and yeah and and, and there's no more parking for any yeah, of the yeah, tradesmen yeah. and yet everybody yeah. needs work done it's it's actually quite amazing to see uh, the stupidity when you start adding it all up yeah. and um, everybody is up in arms because you know yeah the the city is getting fuller mm -hmm. right yeah, yeah, yeah but it's getting fuller because the countrysides are emptying out and that's and that's not that's not an accurate view at all if you really start mm. calculating it uh, on, a, on a large spectrum right yeah tik radio also mentioned that or asked the question can we trust the outcome of the universe 25 experiment outcome 100 percent i think i already gave, gave the answer yeah that 
from the way that he described his methods, that's the first thing that I'm really cautious <laughs> and yeah. I would say like, nope. <laughs> and the second one is also the way he, he not even actually really analyzed this data. He just showed the so-called descriptive statistics, which means that he just shows the bare numbers, right? He's, right. He, he counted how many males or um, what was that the the social ranking and the mm -hmm. offsprings the number of offsprings and that's that was it but he didn't show any correlation and any multifactorial analysis which is something that's called for example an ANCOVA or MANCOVA where you have for example you would look at the population density and then you would add the numbers of females, the number of males, the relative, um, the factor of relativeness to each other, mm -hmm. how much food they have, how much space they have, all these factors would go into the statistics and mm -hmm. you would see, actually, does it really affect the population density or is it just, what, what is the most important factor here? Mm -hmm. And he didn't did do anything of this. Okay. So, that's another are, are thing. Are these perhaps newer techniques that didn't exist too yeah, much? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Back then, I think, you know, the 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 most thing they could do was like an artist or something. <laughs> That's definitely something new. But it would be interesting to go back to the old data and take them again and, mm -hmm. would, you know, run um, uh, one of more of these multivariate analysis. I'm not sure. Maybe he's still alive. Maybe you can contact him. I'm sure he figured out. I don't need to call him and say, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> there, are, there are more analysis that you can do. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean to actually get your hands on the raw data. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, it would be interesting. Actually. That would be interesting. Mm. Yeah, so when we talk about the Universe 25, it's a very fascinating idea. And as I mentioned, it, it's, it's the same thing with your uh, rabbit uh, studies mm -hmm. in the past where they they ended up so, um, really quickly put together. Um, your, your study was based on how rabbits were migrating into the city. Why? And, and what's the difference between them and now their rural yeah. counterparts? Yeah. And so what ends up happening is, is you end up putting out a data, a, a publication saying that the, the rabbits in the cities are fewer per borough. Mm -hmm. Meaning yeah. that sometimes they even there's only one rabbit per yeah. burrow or yeah. two, and then the newspapers got your article, ran with it, and said rabbits are living like singles in the cities. Yeah, right. And uh, and 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 then this uh, this other institution got a hold of you and wanted to 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 use your expertise as a method to say. Uh, maybe we don't have to sell rabbits as pairs anymore yeah. in pet yeah, stores. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe we could sell them as as singles yeah. because your paper says that they live as singles. And it was completely off topic. It had nothing to do with reality. Yeah. Their, their opinions, right? Yeah. And uh, it was brutal, right? It really, really it was, was It was weird. I thought, like, should I go there as a speaker or should I just, you know, leave it? But I thought, no, no, you really have to speak up and say, you know what, guys, this this. This, this article, this newspaper article just really took one little sentence out of my paper. It didn't show the whole yeah. story that we, yeah, we found like in one or two cases, there was only one rabbit in a borough system. It was usually a male or a female that were actually pretty close to each other in a borough. Yeah. They just had like, you know, separated apartments, but they were still visiting each other all They're the time. They were still part of the same society. They were still yeah. part of a bigger group and yeah. they just had their own space. And maybe specifically with females, they usually have another area where they give birth to the young. Mm -hmm. So that just, you have to take all these things in in, in, in consideration. It's the yeah. same with that paper. If you just take out one little sentence and you say, wow, you know, this will happen. Yeah. It's not It's not like that. It doesn't work like yeah, that. The newspaper used it as a, almost a, as, as a method to tell people 
um, leave the country and come to the city because the quality of life is here here is better. Well, you with know? that, it was more like, you know, it was interesting because you found the parallels to the rabbit and it was kind of funny to them that, you know, mm-hmm. we know that specifically in Berlin, there were so many singles living there, you know, looking for their yeah. partner. And it seems like, haha, the rabbits do the same thing. Which was not the case, totally yeah. not the same thing. <laughs> Which is also interesting But, because a hundred years ago, um, the average apartment was still multi-generational. Yeah, yeah, it's and, true. And uh, so even apartments were multi-generational, mm. um, not just the houses in the country. Yeah. Um, and even Berlin City a hundred years ago, uh, there, there were fewer buildings, right? So yeah. people were more packed into their homes with their grandparents and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's all changed, right? And it's all changed because uh, of, of the, I don't know, like it's a really interesting question. So yeah, we have the amenities today and the resources, mm-hmm. we believe, mm-hmm. to be able to do these kind of things. But yeah. when we actually look into the past, it's not normal for us to do this. It's not normal for every, uh, every, every person to have their own empire, uh, they call their apartment or their house and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's more the idea of multi-generational farm right that's 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 yeah. typical german culture up until very recent history so yeah so yeah that's what i think i would summarize for that paper it was interesting to read that's for yeah. sure <laughs> not something i would read every day in the way that he wrote it and yeah 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 well going back to felminator's uh, comment about the doctors and the resources it's also a very interesting thing to say that we create our own resources. That's something yeah. you touched upon earlier in the yeah, sense yeah. that and she's completely right. You know, when you're in a socialist place like Canada where a lot of the education is paid and funded, um, well, I mean, it's not that it's paid and funded. A lot of the universities are closely, they're not private, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're closely like University of Toronto and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're closely related to the government and funding and so on and so forth. Yeah, so yeah. if they don't have the funding to educate, you know, twice as many doctors as they are now, they're mm-hmm. not going to, mm-hmm. even though there are enough people with, you know, who still have to pay for their tuitions and yeah, education yeah. in Canada is not that cheap. It's actually very expensive. Yeah. Um, it's not as expensive as in the US, but it's, 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 you know, yeah, yeah. it's still crazy expensive. Right. Yeah. And, um, That could be done. So the resources could be considered. And this is that idea of the universe 25 too, as you mentioned, how like we as people have this ability to alter our environment when it doesn't suit us, right? Mice don't have that ability on the same level, mm. not nearly like they can't go and dig for resources the way we do. They don't forge metals <laughs> and, <laughs> and build tools, you know? Haven't uh, seen Never it yet. Never seen that yet, <laughs> you know? Uh, and it's, it's just one of these ideas that... Um, Yeah, the the more um, we put, I think, the anthropomorphic ideas that we have mm. onto animals or vice versa. What would you call it? Is that even a, is there a word for that? Like reverse anthropomorphic? Uh, like we take the ideas of what we learn from animals and we put it onto people and say that's real mm. instead of taking the people personality and putting it on the yeah, animals, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. but it's like, like I yeah, mentioned yeah. and uh, it's not accurate. It, it'll never, we're not mice. We're mm. not you know, we're not monkeys. And to take all of these ideological uh, ideas of what happens to them in their experiments, it's the same reason why drugs have so many side effects and problems because I'm talking about medical drugs, because you can't go around testing things and assume that this is why um, um, even in in the study groups of people when they test, you know, apnea drugs or whatever the case may be. Mm. I read an article recently uh, published by a bunch of African guys saying that they want to increase racial testing to be more, to make it more diverse. Mm. And uh, a good example was that uh, there was a study group that was testing heart medication. And um, by chance, they had three black people in the study of Mm -hmm. a group of 15. 
And all the black people reacted very differently. Mm, And so then they realized that they were able to then create, to market a pill for black people because their heart cardiovascular system is different. different, yeah. Right, just flat out different. And the reason why they say that is because the the belief of uh, uh, that uh, the African uh, culture is much older than uh, a lot of the other cultures and didn't suffer the same bottleneck Mm, that a lot of other cultures did. So their genetic genetic, uh, um, uh, structure is more diverse than the average Northern European mm. because we've been bottlenecked mm-hmm. more than yeah, they yeah. have. Yeah, yeah. And for this reason, um, on a genetic level, uh, there, there are just more things that can happen. Yeah. Right. So it's actually really interesting to think of it like that. You know, that black people are more genetically diverse than white people. And for this reason, uh, they can react differently to drugs and viruses yeah. and bacteria very differently than we can. Mm. Just the last comment, what you mm-hmm. mentioned, because that was also part of my book, the, the second book with the stress, mm-hmm. that... The, the information that we have from all these experiments on, you know, animals living in a laboratory, mm-hmm. rats, mice, about stress in that in that topic is really something that you can't put one-to-one on, on human beings. The, the These animals are reared under, as we said with that once, you know, under conditions that are always very stable. They have no predation. They have been kind of engineered mm. in a laboratory there's genetically so fucked up <laughs> like right. they're so inbred there's nothing really natural with this animals anymore and then we right. kind of try to to draw conclusions from their behavior towards drugs or whatever it is onto human beings that is really just so far away from yeah, from, reality. from reality and that was actually is a nice paper from Rudy Boonstra he's a professor at the University of Toronto mm-hmm. who I actually also worked in his working group for a couple of months in, in Toronto during my PhD and he was really specifically um, he wrote one of one paper about that where he said you know what is about chronic stress is that actually something that really exists in nature or is it just something that that never happens because Animals in 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 in, in this in the nature, if they would be con- chronically stressed, they would just die out. You know that yeah. that wouldn't work, and because they couldn't really draw any conclusions from animals living in 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 the laboratory conditions, because mm-hmm. you can't just put that on on what's happening in the wilderness. But it's also hard to measure these kind of things in wilderness right. with, with animals. Like, and he had that one example with the snowshoe hare living in the Yukon, right? Mm-hmm where these snowshoe hares are the same with rabbits here. They are constantly under predation. So they're always in like, what's happening to me? (laughs) And he's like, how can these guys live there? You know, they're just constantly up there. Their heart rate is up the roof and all that. But for them, this is part of their life. This is like normality for them. So they're being constantly stressed. It's just something how they can actually survive. Although they might have not the high um, surviving rates as other animals, but at least they can survive a little bit in an an area where it's like a lot of predation going on. So just just to say in general, you know, there is no thing that we, well, I think we have to be cautious about what we really draw from these experiments Uh, in the laboratory and put that on on us or on other animals to say yeah but this is like this yeah yeah, exactly there's so much more it was like that at that moment in that yeah there's so much more to it it might gives us a little tiny tiny hint on how things could be but Mm. yeah that's why i'm i actually also not so interested anymore in in studies that are, you know, from, from experiments and laboratories that I always liked being behavior biologists with animals in wild, mm-hmm. in the wilderness to just see how they react under natural conditions. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, to take it as inspiration. 
Yeah, and you can do that in your everyday life. Just observe animals and plants and human beings around yeah. you to see how they react to their environment, and then you might get some information out of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Not you know, not everybody has to try and be a Charles Darwin, where they're born billionaires and uh, have no? a crew of, of like uh, fifty people sailing them around the world <laughs> to look at birds and shit. You can learn uh. enough if you just sit with a coffee in a in a cafe and observe everything that is around you. Yeah, exactly. So um, to wrap things up today with um, season two, episode 23, we live to test ourselves. There's a, there's actually another conclusion that I would like to draw um, from the study, you know, from what I've heard, I would say that you could see that the rat, the, the mice, they, they lost the ability to really explore nature or to yeah. have a real life. Yeah, yeah. And true. this is, I think, that idea is, you know, we live to test ourselves. And um, though it may have seemed like a utopia in the beginning, it became quickly dystopic. Mm-hmm. The reason as to how it became dystopic, you know, it's funny because if you do that similar thing to rats, where if you put a bunch of rats mm-hmm. in, a, in, in like a bucket, they'll kill each other, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. and one will survive. Um but mice don't necessarily do that. So you could definitely see that, you know, they're very similar mm-hmm. animals. They're very similar mm-hmm. creatures. But what mm-hmm. happens to one doesn't happen to the other. Yeah. Um, and with mice, it, it, it's that same thing that they want, I think, just like any other animal life. They want to explore life. They yep. want to live. Yep. And yep. when yep. that was all restricted from them, look what happened. Their, yep. their life grew stagnant. They stopped learning. Yeah. Right? They stopped experiencing things. They became yeah. aggressive. You know, the, yeah, exactly. Aggression was unchanneled. Uh, the, the social skills were lost. They, they, it was like the Tower of Babel in a, in a mouse experiment, yeah. you know? Uh, yeah. Everybody Poor. became uh, uh, socially retarded. And, it, and this, you were talking about this too. On this is something that we see today in our society. A little we bit, see, I would say. Yeah, we see the pussification of men. We see the, uh, the <laughs> testosterone. The, what would you call that on a woman uh, level? You see the, uh, I don't know the hairy chest version of a of a, of a female. My point no, is, well, is that specifically what I saw also in the academic world that you know that idea of having a family just went so much into the back mind of of women because crazy. it was not yeah. important anymore. And as he as he just said, you know, the female mice were not interested anymore in in reproduction. No. I mean, you don't know if that has to do with with increase in population. I think mm. it more it has more to do with how society maybe also changed the role. Yeah. And that's something that he said, you know, if you don't find your role in the system anymore, um, that for us as women are, which is a very natural thing for us to have children, mm. it's said to be, you know, don't do it. It will ruin your career, specifically if you're an academic, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you won't get any career. If you have children, it will destroy your life, all these kind of things. And then mm. th- this is how, how this behavior can change. Yeah, That's what I think, yeah. Exactly. I don't have sex until marriage. You know, it's, it's, mm. uh, it's, 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 it's interesting to take that actually that, that like what I just, uh, extrapolated from the, from, from what I've heard you say in the, yeah. uh, in the publication, um, that as I mentioned, you know, for me, it's, it's a clear, it's a clear image that, um, if you take the natural environment away, you know, stupid things are going to happen, mm. you know, and, 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 and most likely they're not going to be positive. And this is something I've seen over and over and over again, that we may fool ourselves and think that it's a positive thing. Okay. Yeah. Like uh, 25% of ch- children don't need to die, uh, but by the age of five anymore, but look at the children who should have died, who are now surviving, mm. you know, all these diseases, all the, uh, allergies, the, the cancer rates, all this kind of stuff, the, 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 
it, it, it sounds like a very brutal thing to say. I'm mm -hmm. not saying that they should die. I'm saying is that it was like that in, in a natural environment until yeah. we messed around with it and created a non-natural environment. But we humans, I think, are so special because we can create our environment so much. It technically is a part of our, our, our natural environment. To I, I do just want to say like that. that maybe it is a new way of natural environment yeah. because we're also part of it. We just try to evolve it and try to well, change it and make it better. The part that is unnatural is the empirical aspect okay. as to how we can take something like uh, cultural information as to how to how to make antibiotics i mean that's not new it, it didn't it didn't get discovered in 1948 mm. it was mass produced by an empirical machine in 1948 mm -hmm. you know there are tribes all over the planet that had penicillin tea yeah you know and knew how it worked yeah, yeah you yeah. know um it, it, here in northern europe we we understood that uh, you can take honey uh, to heal wounds such yeah. as cesarean sections and so yeah, on, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, so this is not new information, uh, but it was for the first time packaged with the petrol diesel industry and mm. and put into an empirical form and mass produced. Mm. That's what changed it to me. The the idea as to how our empire actually spreads around the planet and the globe and all throughout our society, it's very destructive. It's very anti-human. Yeah, it's very yeah. anti-life. And that is, to me, I think it takes a lot more negative energy to keep that machine going than it's worth. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, that's that's maybe something we could talk about next time. Yeah, sure. So there we go. Let's wrap this all up right. for today. Mm -hmm. This has been Smart Homes to People Season 2, Episode 23. We live to test ourselves. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Yeah. Have yourselves a wonderful weekend. Have yourselves a wonderful day, depending on where you are. See you next time. Until then, keep going. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>